All right, hello everybody, and welcome to the first Eleanor podcast. Yay! We're your hosts, Rebecca and Lance, and today we're going to be talking about some big things in film noir, such as money, women, and power. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Let's get right into it. Yep. So, uh, first we like to discuss money and power and how far are the characters are willing to go. So let's start with Maltese Falcon. Uh, my question to you, Rebecca, is how far were they willing to go to find a statue? I mean, definitely puts the perspective of, um, you know, what they value into perspective because they do sacrifice a lot to get um, the the falcon and uh, they kill people for it, um, build, a boat burns for it, um, and it doesn't even end up real. And they don't even seem to really care that it's not even real. <laughs> Which is interesting to me because I find the idea of power that people are so eager to want to achieve and they're willing to sacrifice human lives for it sound it sounds very selfish mm-hmm. uh something that i've looked up uh before we started recording uh i found out that the Maltese falcon is actually a real thing it's really shocking <laughs> so i found out that in 1539 a uh, knight templars of malta pay tribute to Charles V from Spain, of Spain, mm-hmm. um, by sending him a golden falcon encrusted from uh, beak to claw with uh, the rare, the rarest jewels. But pirate sees the galley carrying the priceless token and the fate of the Maltese falcon remains a mystery to this day. Which I find very ironic to the title uh, Maltese falcon because they've been running mm-hmm. around a mystery yeah this entire movie and that doesn't were, even get solved in real life exactly <laughs> so they were willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. who they are and their humanity mm-hmm. just to find an item that to this day remains a mystery yeah um let's see another thing with um the maltese falcon is that um The main character, um, he doesn't seem, he's not even really interested in it, but he does get interested in it because he's bored, you know? Yeah. Which is which is kind of crazy to me because I would not want to kill anybody. Yeah. Because I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, I would kill somebody mm-hmm. if they affect me exactly. in a negative light. <laughs> Very disimpassioned, you know, compared to the other people's um, passionate searching for the Falcon. Yeah, which is often, I, I find that crazy. But another thing I wanted to talk about is the fact of the idea of them wanting to sell the Falcon for mm-hmm. money. If they were to find it, I don't think they would sell it mm-hmm. because uh, the fat man in the in the movie mm-hmm. Mr. Gutman Mr. Gutman uh I, the way he ended and mm-hmm. the way the movie ended 
it felt like he didn't care. Mm-hmm. Usually when people, I feel, usually in, uh, for people in power who really want something and they can't find it, mm-hmm. and it, and they somehow think that they find it mm-hmm. and it turns out to be fake, they would get mad. Yeah, I would immediately assume that they would get mad, pissed, all types of words. Yeah. But instead, he got, he just was like, mm-hmm. well, I guess we will continue fight, fighting it. Very different from like the some of the other noir villains where he doesn't it doesn't end in a shootout, which is really shocking, you know. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the perfect opportunity. Exactly. You know? How dare you? Yeah. Or yeah. even like accusing him of switching out the Falcons, they just accept that this is a fake one, you know. Yeah. Because I thought when I first watched it that he did get a fake one to trick them. But that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So. I, I just find that crazy to to think mm-hmm. that people like him were just so calm and so optimistic mm-hmm. about finding an item that is, like I said before, such a rare item and still a mystery to this day. Yeah. Uh, so let's now talk about double, double indemnity mm-hmm. and the idea of how far they will go money and power in double indemnity they definitely go way too far for the money and you know kind of power over phyllis's life she wants that power back that she feels has been taken from him or from her um but i think in this one they definitely bite off way too much that they can chew you know yes which i feel is kind of like crazy for Mm -hmm. um phyllis's character because she, she's the type of woman I feel that use her, I guess you could say, innocence mm-hmm. to manipulate men to do what she wants, mm-hmm. which is you know, which is crazy and ironic because, uh, in out of the past, uh, the love interest of Johnny, mm-hmm. not Anne, the other one. <laughs> She was trying to do the same tactic. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in a way, it kind of worked out in her favor. Yeah. Until, you know, of course, the end. Yeah. But, but yeah, I just find it crazy because uh, Phyllis's character was willing to go so far. Mm-hmm. It, they, it escalates so quickly exactly. from, from meeting the insurance guy to asking about accident insurance. Right. Then to him coming in on the plan, and he's the one that suggests to do the double indemnity because he knows it'll get them more money. Um, Which is kind of, I want. that's funny you mentioned insurance because I also want to talk about insurance and like, why is it that people, especially in, the, in these, you know, uh, films that are centered around people who work in, in insurance companies. I, mm-hmm. Why is the idea of insurance a thing? Like, why? Yeah. Why is it so important to people? You know, especially with uh, Phyllis's character, mm-hmm. she lived on the idea of insurance, yeah. having something to fall back. Yeah, on. I think it's that idea of um, money being tied to human life, and I think that works really well with um, the themes that Noir wants to talk about. You know. Um, because whenever um, Mr. Dederson was only worth 50 grand, you know, she wasn't really 
there wasn't really a plan to go through with it. You know, she had thought about it, um, but she didn't um, actually ever do it. It's not until um, Neff comes in and starts telling telling her that they can get a hundred grand that she starts pursuing it. You know. Yes. That's the, yeah. I, I find that kind of crazy mm-hmm. because to me, the idea of insurance. For me, mm-hmm. in my life right now, the idea of insurance is, you know, obviously something to fall back for mm-hmm. when somebody dies or if something happens to you, or your car, mm-hmm. whatever, your house. Yeah, something to fall back for. But they spend the idea of insurance and double indemnity mm-hmm. to be something so dark. Yeah. <laughs> insurance really becomes like a weapon to use against people. Yeah. Where, whereas it's supposed to be something that's, you know. Mm-hmm somewhat positive yeah and i mean that makes the motives of the murders not even seem really impactful because it's like you're killing him for money you know not for like passion or like anything like that you know like he's not even not even cheating cheating, yeah (laughs) Yeah. you just say you're unhappy murders the only way to get out of it which is you know something that's kind of wicked mm-hmm. human human you know society in general because i feel like especially in you know what we're going through right now there's mm-hmm. a lot of murders happening on the mm-hmm. news and i feel like you know the people that are, that are committing those murders feel as though that they need to do that mm-hmm. in order to i feel like either to survive to make themselves known mm-hmm. or to make a statement Mm-hmm, yeah, it, it's definitely for a statement a lot of the time. Right. Um, so it can, it can, in this case, be, I guess, a little bit more personal that I know that you have insurance and I yeah. want that policy enacted that, that I have you sign, you know, um, but still does feel impersonal. Yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of these films from Maltese Falcon and Double Identity, I feel like all these films are very personal, mm-hmm. especially with the time period mm-hmm. that it was released in. Yeah. Because a lot of people in that time period wanted to, you know, uh, do it for, do anything for money yeah. to survive. Yeah. To climb that ladder. Yeah. You know? And they're willing to, once again, like you said before, they were willing to sacrifice anything mm-hmm. to be on that pedestal yeah. of people in power. So, mm-hmm. but yeah. So I think that's a good point to get to our next section of the podcast. Next, we're going to be talking about the women in noir. So this is an interesting topic that mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about here, guys. Yeah. So This is going to be a big one. There's yeah. a lot. There's a lot <laughs> going on with women in noir in terms of their... Femme fatalness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, their, their femme fatalness are just unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, but I feel like even though it is unnecessary, sometimes I feel like in a weird way, kind of necessary mm-hmm. because we have a lot of these men in these movies that are very controlling, mm-hmm. that are very like, Oh, money. I want money. I yeah. want power. But then the women in the sidelines are kind of acting like the, you know, usually in the sidelines acting like the innocent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm about to faint. Kind of type. <laughs> yes. But I think this is a good, refreshing take mm-hmm. on 
boss women. Yeah, you know? yes, it is. Taking upon the idea of like they're the know, first girl bosses. Yeah. <laughs> they're strong women. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're you know, bad women to mm-hmm. you know, to bring the story into a you know more darker tone. Mm-hmm. But you gotta give them credit when yeah, credit is due. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, if you were living in that time frame mm-hmm. and all you seen were women being like those innocent, I'm about to think yeah. little Cinderella, <laughs> Snow White type, mm-hmm. you would feel as though that you would have to act that certain way. Yeah. That's how society is saying. For yeah, that. for sure. So I feel like knowing that femme fatales mm-hmm. exists and they show up very, you know, brightly in these yeah. films. I feel like it's a good duality of yeah. of uh, the idea of uh, female energy, you know, female and masculine mm-hmm. energy colliding together. Mm-hmm. So my question, with all that being said, mm-hmm. <laughs> my question to you is, um, how are the women being portrayed as femme fatale in these movies? You know, um, a lot of them are just portrayed as being greedy, really. Um, wanting to kill their husbands and um being a double crosser you know just not very good people even though they're beautiful on the outside you know they cast specifically really beautiful women in these roles um and even in one movie um i think it was a big sleep Mm -hmm. with bacall um, they had actually gotten rid of another actress's parts. Like they had cut out a lot of her scenes to highlight the the femme fatale's performance. Right, right, right. Uh, something I want to also uh, mention that you just said about beauty mm-hmm. and how beauty plays like a pivotal role in femme fatale. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a pivotal role in femme fatale because beauty goes a long way. Oh yes. Not to uh, try to mention the. Gilda and Laurel team. <laughs> because I feel like both of those, you know, both mm-hmm. of those films, the women in those films have so much power from their beauty. Mm-hmm. They they definitely know how to control it. And especially yeah. Gilda. She she uses it in a very specific way. I mean, I think she I mean she practically uses it at the end to be like, okay, like happy ending for me. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. And I feel like uh, with Laura, Laura is such a, uh, it's such a good movie that ties on the fact of questioning who is Laura, what is Laura. Mm-hmm. But you see her some in the film being all beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful and elegant, but also, you know, in a sense of intelligence. You yeah. Know? Well, it's really interesting as well that um, Lidecker shoots um, at the face, like with a rifle, you know, to destroy her face, you know, mm-hmm. destroy what she was using. Yeah. But instead, he shot somebody else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, which I find is, you know, kind of uh, kind of like a, um, uh, a can, not a can, but like a, you know, like a, like a, uh, a distraction. Yeah. In a sense. Like you think you did something. Mm-hmm. To destroy somebody's beauty, but instead, you yeah. exactly yes. <laughs> yeah, you thought, like, yeah, you thought that you thought you're gonna get away mm-hmm. with destroying somebody's beauty. Yeah, but no, that wasn't the case. Yeah, Laura's still, you know, pretty. Yeah, she's still there, and that's how she gets the detective's favor. You know, mm-hmm. that's why he um calls her to the 
you know, questioning room to make it seem like she's a suspect to throw off the suspicion. Mm -hmm. Which is a good uh, a little mini segue mm -hmm. to the idea of how men are aggressive towards women. Mm -hmm. Something I wanted to address in uh, our second topic of women in noir is that I always notice that men, these men in these films, most of the time the leads, they always seem to grab them, uh, the women by the shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's specific side of the show yeah. too. It's the left side. I, feel, I think mm -hmm. the left side. But what I found about that is that, like, I feel like it's uh, a way for them bring their power back. Mm -hmm. And I find I find that kind of you know weird because I feel like with these film fatales, they fall for it. Yeah. Or maybe they're. Uh, Maybe they like manipulating themselves to fall for it mm -hmm. because they have a bigger plan. In yeah. So I feel like uh, I feel like sometimes femme fatales use the power of men against themselves mm -hmm. so that they could climb up the ladder. Yeah, I can see that in um in one that we've seen. It was a uh, out of uh, out of the past. Yeah. Mm. Um, and. Just about the physical aggressiveness, it also ties with the way that the women are portrayed as very sexual beings, such as in um, Gilda and Double Indemnity. Um, and so research shows that whenever um, a woman is in a more sexualized um, setting, that if, um, if she rejects a man, that he will be more aggressive towards her. So I think that's just them grappling with the woman being not only beautiful, but also very cunning. Right. And they have nothing else but their, their own male physicality to be like, stop. Yeah. Uh, something I also wanted to uh, add up is, which is uh, kind of ironic with the characters of the women and their personalities. I also wanted to talk about how these roles of these women mm -hmm. have affected the actresses in mm -hmm. real life. Uh, something that we've talked about is how, like, um, Hack uh, Hayworth, mm -hmm. uh, she, uh, when she played Gilda, uh, mm -hmm. she said that I felt something deep within her. I couldn't help loneliness, sadness, something that pulled me down. And that that uh, quote that she said struck with me because I've, I've uh, mentioned in class that Gilda, to me, felt like she was very robotic. Mm -hmm. Like she was trying to put, make sure that like she she's put together, mm -hmm. you know, pleasing the men. Yeah. But but instead, which is kind of weird that I found out that uh, Hayworth said that because it kind of you know mm -hmm. uh, kind of make me feel like my theory was kind of correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, what you think? What you think? Yeah. I think there definitely is something going on with Gilda. Um, especially um, given uh, what happened to Hayworth following the role, um, she would say that men would go to sleep with Gilda and wake with her as she um, as she went through five marriages after the role. Um, and which is interesting because one of her marriages with the prince, Prince Ali Khan, um, he actually um, was 
hanging out with Jean Tierney, another um, woman in noir. So yeah, she ironically played Laura. Mm-hmm. So Laura and Gilda both. Um, play a, a history and lifestyle mm-hmm. of a philandering husband. Yes, yes. Um, Yes, and Laura, in Tierney's case, apparently after the role, um, she came to the assessment of her performances being secondary to her cheekbones and tried, you know, getting into a better life that she didn't have and that she never got, unfortunately. It's really tragic what happened to her. Yeah, which, uh, something that also struck with me with uh, Jean Tierney is that she said the words of, uh, who wants to play an oil queen? Mm-hmm. And that that struck with me because after we had a little discussion before you know starting mm-hmm. this uh, podcast, we find we figured out how like uh, Tierney wanted to live a lifestyle that's uh, kind of like like. Not like an oil painting, something that's uh-huh. beautiful, something that's like she wanted something that was alive, alive, yeah, mm-hmm. something that was like real to her, yeah, you know. And I feel like she was stuck in this world, yeah, she couldn't live a real life, yeah. I feel like these roles for these two women in specific, like, just really are weird and connection with how their life ended up turning out, yes, like a lot of, a lot of uh, betrayal, mm-hmm. a lot of. Uh, Double crosses happening yes, in their real life, you yes, know. Yes, which I find very, very sad. Yes. <laughs> it's very sad it, to say. It is, yeah. Uh, got any more remarks? Hmm. Yeah. Women in noir. No, I think we should head on to our next segment. Yes, which is the similarities between the movies. Mm-hmm. Now, with these films, I've got to be honest, I feel like they have the same vibe, mm-hmm. the same kind of murder mystery, mm-hmm. same, not the same storyline, obviously, yeah. but like the same goals, yes. in a sense. A lot of these movies from Maltese Falcon, Double Indemnity, Gilda, uh, The Big Sleep, uh, the postman mm-hmm. always rings twice. I feel like they all have a certain goal of one something. Yes, definitely. Um, so my question is, why do why do you think that these movies feel the same? I mean, it, they're definitely different, but they use so many of the same uh, plot elements, like the femme fatale and the you know. The man, the protagonist, who just instantly falls in love with her, even in Gilda, where they uh, say that they hate each other, they still end up having a romance in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Something uh, that was mentioned in class that just struck with me just mm-hmm. now is that I feel like these movies are uh, kind of like the same vibe. Mm-hmm. Is because that these movies were popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And with the time that there was a lot of war and uncertainty, mm-hmm. people want to watch something that is not comic but relatable it, at that yeah. time. Yeah. So I think from our uh, 
teacher, she was saying how uh, certain B-level movies mm-hmm. were presented to army troops yes. to watch while, you know, they were just mm-hmm. sitting around. You yeah. Know. So I find that kind of interesting how um, these movies do feel the same, but they have a certain contact with them that is relatable to mm-hmm. the time that they're in. Yeah, I think that they definitely all have the same kind of goal in mind to reveal like a dark underbelly of society. They all definitely want to do that. Um, and they do it in very similar ways. Um, killing, shooting. Um, murder. <laughs> killing, murder, shooting, murder. Murder. So is there anything actually like unique about them when compared to each other? Because I feel like on their own, you can definitely see it as a great movie, you know, but when compared to all the other ones, it kind of just feels like they all start, you know, blending together. Right, right. I think there are some unique qualities that, you know, uh, that separates the movies together Mm -hmm. in the sense, for instance, like Maltese Falcon. The literal name itself mm-hmm. <laughs> stands yeah. out because it literally talks about an object. Mm-hmm. They were looking for an object, yeah, you know? like an object that's old from 1531, yeah. <laughs> that old. And in Double Indemnity, mm-hmm. they talk about insurance, yeah, the importance of insurance, having something to fall back towards. Mm-hmm. That's a different, you know, I, I see that, yeah, like different. Um, physical goals they yeah, want the falcon they yeah. want the money yeah they want the falcon money um and um out of the past i feel as though it was about power mm-hmm. you know um uh, it was definitely different in the way right. that it ended um it felt almost kind of bonnie and clyde-ish exactly. with the shootout at the end exactly uh, the character, the femme fatale of that movie, she wanted uh, power. She mm-hmm. wanted uh, she wanted to grab hold of Johnny mm-hmm. and you know basically in a sense use him as her puppet. Yeah. Especially in the scene where they were on the beach, mm-hmm. um, where they were on the beach, she was on top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so basically, insinuating that she wants to be the top dog. She yeah. wants to be the one in control of the situation. Because later she does note that once everybody else is dead, that um, she's going to be the one that he uh, like has to negotiate with. Exactly. Exactly. She wants to be the one wearing the pants in the mm-hmm. relationship, which is, you know, not to bring us back to women in noir, mm-hmm. but to bring us back to yes. the women in noir. <laughs> Which is, you know, which is, I feel like, in a sense, I feel like even though her character was dark, mm-hmm. was bad, uh, in bad in the sense of she was, you know, the bad guy. Yeah. I feel like she has a light yeah. in her that basically trying to give a message to women that you have the power. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you have the power in you. You just have to go out mm-hmm. and be confident and brave. And you know, take what's yours. Mm-hmm. You know, take take what you know. Also, work for it. Obviously, work mm-hmm. for it, but don't be lazy about it. Yeah. yeah. 
makes me think of um, the first scene where Phyllis is introduced in Double Indemnity, how she's almost completely naked and with a white towel on, you know, just to symbolize that kind of innocence that, right. um, that she has at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, not to bring upon innocence, but I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of these films with the women, they uh, also use the mm-hmm. idea of innocence to... Uh, to get their way. Definitely. I see that um, in the beginning with Maltese Falcon, with um, the first story that Miss O'Shaughnessy tells the detectives to get the the whole thing going was just a complete lie. Exactly, and, yes. you know, I, I didn't even think she would be an important character at the beginning of the movie. It wasn't until they showed up at her house and she started just spilling that everything was a lie that I realized that she was going to be an actual character. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like sometimes, I feel like sometimes the, what you think will be the side characters uh, plays, plays like a pivotal role to the mm-hmm. main characters. Uh, Life. It does, yes. So, for instance, in uh, in uh, Out of the Past, the kid in the uh, film, the uh, deaf kid, mm-hmm. even though he plays to me as like a side character, yeah. I feel like he is he has a pivotal role of carrying the story along. Definitely, I, I saw that whenever that he was the ending shot of right. the movie. Yeah. I was just like, wow, that that character is the mm-hmm. one who lives, you know, yeah. which is interesting. He's the one who lives. He's the one who basically lies to Anne, yeah, saying that oh he went off with the girl, yeah, yeah. But instead, you know, he died, yeah. But uh, and also another thing is that the relationship between uh, Johnny and uh, and the kid. It's kind of significant because even though he lied uh, about Johnny to Anne, mm-hmm. he still, uh, you know, have a certain respect for Johnny. Yeah, yeah, because he there's that like wistful shot of him looking at the gas station that he used to own, mm-hmm. and also the fact that he saved him yeah. from almost being murdered. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Which I find, you know, is is it, it shines a light on the side characters. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like they, to to some people, they may not mean much, mm-hmm. but just like the plot line in the story. Yeah. But to me, they are the main people that have to make sure that they have to get it right. So yeah. That it will be convincing to the audience that. They're doing something. <laughs> yeah, it's like um the role of the secretary in Maltese Falcon. Um, mm-hmm. somebody in class commented how they thought that she was going to be like a villain, right. um, which is just interesting how it plays with you know a character being in a noir. You know, you don't exactly know what they're up to at all times. Right. Okay. Uh, just to keep things pushing, mm-hmm. let's talk about Hollywood endings. Yeah, let's talk about that Gilda ending. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about it? (laughs) I mean, it just is so... It almost ruins the movie, like... How so? Because they they say they... The whole movie's building up about how they hate each other. Right. And then it's just revealed that she's doing... Like, she's been flirting with all these men all the the whole time just to specifically to make him jealous, like, because she wants him. I thought... I accepted it that she wanted it to make him jealous, um, but not in a way to get him back, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for them to get together at the end 
was just hmm. not noir. Not at all. Yeah. Which I find kind of like interesting mm-hmm. of the um, duality between uh, Gilda and Laura because mm-hmm. everybody was out trying to you know kill Laura, even yeah. her best friend. Yeah. You know, somebody, you know, a best friend is specifically somebody who ultimately wants to protect mm-hmm. their friend, but he wants to kill her. Yeah. <laughs> even try, even try to kill, but you know, yeah. different person. And something that you didn't notice, you didn't pick up on, mm-hmm. is the fact <laughs> of <laughs> the best friend, he was gay. I, you I did not pick it up at all. <laughs> I don't know how. <laughs> like, you could clearly tell. <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of Hollywood endings, I feel like though these endings, I feel like sometimes are unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> I think so as well. I feel like it, it ruins the stories. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, there is that uh the the ending that was cut from double indemnity, um, of the gas scene. Um so do you think it would have been better to have seen him die in a gas chamber? Or to see him because it, it's not really clear if he like bleeds out or right. just like faints, right. but we can assume he dies at some point. Right, 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 right. So do you think it's better to see that happen? I feel like personally for like the story itself, I mm-hmm. feel like it's good to see him alive mm-hmm. to show like there's more to yeah. them. This could be a possible better ending or it could be just he dies. Yeah. But there the possibility of his character as a whole is, is yeah. yeah um i see that with laura as well the ending of laura is not super clear on whether or not she was involved but right. she ends up going free you know so we're not really sure what role she played sometimes i feel like suspenseful uh movies like that or like, uh, not suspenseful, but more so the open-ended. Mm-hmm. Open-ended films like that, I feel like it, they're pretty smart mm-hmm. instead of the Hollywood ending. Yes, I like that a lot more. Uh, yeah, because open-ended movies gets the, uh, gets the audience thinking. Yeah. What? Could there be more? Yeah. Is there more? What is happening to the character? You know, like, how did he end up here? Like, exactly. How did we get here? Is there more to, to be said? Mm-hmm. Which I feel like with uh, Laura, there is more to be said. Yes. Just, I mean, to me, she's still mm-hmm. a mystery. Yes. Who is Laura? <laughs> <laughs> the same thing with Double uh, Divinity, mm-hmm. which I love the fact of he... Uh, voiceover mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. I love that because it tells his side of the story. Exactly. Why he did what he did. You know, that makes me think, you know, I would like to see Phyllis's. Exactly. I was just about to but say But she that. dies. She yeah. dies, so she isn't able to give a voiceover. Yeah. But in a sense, there could have been a point in the movie where she could have. Exactly. Before she dies. She could have, like, I guess, give, like, a, like a why I did this. Mm-hmm. Testimony. Yeah, like, what was my past? Exactly. He didn't have to kill her then, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in a sense, I mean, I guess in a way he, you know, kind of had to. Yeah. I mean, she yeah, she kill him. Was him. <laughs> <laughs> she tries to kill him. But, like, I feel like mm-hmm. 
Then you can choose between killing somebody and just disarming somebody. Exactly. Disarming and killing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like at that time it really wasn't about disarming. Yeah. <laughs> but Phyllis's uh, character, I feel like her character has so much mm-hmm. uh, layers. Yeah. Like, there's, like to me, whenever I saw Double Indemnity, I see Phyllis's character. I see somebody. Who has much more to say than yeah. what has appeared on, sport, on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she references to being, like, um, not treated well by Mr. Dederson, um, but we're not really shown that in the movie, so exactly. we're led to believe that she could be lying about that, you Yeah, know? like, a lot of times she has Exactly, <laughs> but she could actually be being truthful, yeah, so... Yeah. I feel like, you know, something vulnerable like that. Well, as to why you want to kill your husband. Mm-hmm. That yeah. probably could be probably telling her telling the truth. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I just feel as though that uh, she could be uh, a real uh, a real contender of somebody in my eyes mm-hmm. that I feel like I want to go more of a deep dive knowing more about. Mm-hmm, definitely, I Same with that. So, another thing that we want to talk about is the lighting mm-hmm. and how, like, there's a uh, duality between darkness and lightness, mm-hmm. and how sometimes when it comes to lightness, it's kind of manipulated to look to be the darkness, and mm-hmm. the darkness to be manipulated to be the lightness. Yeah. So, for instance, Phyllis's character uh, in Double Indemnity. There's a lot of her wearing bright colors. Mm-hmm. Um, not bright colors. Uh, whites. And, yeah. You know, bright color. Mm-hmm. Uh, bright, you know, shades. Yeah. <laughs> and her hair was blonde. Mm-hmm. So to me, I feel as though that, and you know, as we know from her, she's like, don't pretend. Yeah. So I feel like um, the lighting for that, when it came to her, she always appeared to like glowing. Mm-hmm. And, Heavenly yeah, I think they did the same in Postman Rings twice because um, the female in that movie, um, she's always wearing white throughout the whole movie, right. and it's only one scene where she's wearing black mm-hmm. after her husband dies. Actually, yeah. Um, so just showing that like it's performative first, um, her tragic or like her acting sad um and that um you know she can be hiding in plain sight right right this right. whole time yeah and i find and i find like the lighting with the men is always to me so dark mm-hmm. like except for the best friend in uh laura mm-hmm. he i feel like he's one of like the main bad guys yeah <laughs> but he has a light persona yeah like, and, and on camera he, he appears to look very mm-hmm. bright, yeah. Which I feel like it's like a manipulation to you know show more of his dark side. Mm-hmm. But uh, I digress. The guys and the main character guys in all these movies, they all have like a dark, mysterious. Always wearing the fedora. Yes, <laughs> yes. Always wearing the coats. Always hiding their face. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And they all. They just have this dark persona, and I feel like the mm-hmm. uh, cinematography do a really good job of showing that mm-hmm. because 
it shows how there's more room left to grow with the characters. Yeah, I see that as well. Especially with um that ending of uh or with uh in double indemnity, I believe, where after he, uh, he finds out that Phyllis was possibly seeing the other guy, he allows him to leave, right, um, right, and not walk in and be blamed for her death. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of it shows kind of like a uh, you know humanity thing, mm-hmm. like he's humane, you know, yeah. moral. I guess you could say. Yeah. He could he could easily kill and murder, yeah. but yeah. instead he was like, you know what? Here's no. a nickel. <laughs> yeah, here's a safety. Yeah, you can go. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just feel like overall these movies have really done a good job of showing, like, humanity. It definitely shows some different, them in different lights, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, even though these movies are very much like film noir, I feel like film noir as a whole mm-hmm. uh uh, shares a lesson about the world of that time, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. how people are, uh, how people could be very ruthless, yes. very money hungry, mm-hmm. very greedy. Mm-hmm. Coming off like post-war, you know, trying to, you know, start up a life again. Exactly. And I feel like these movies do a good job of, uh, I guess you could say, making fun Mm-hmm. Dramatically, making yes. fun of it. <laughs> but um, yeah. Any more remarks? Mm-hmm. So, just what's been your favorite noir this this semester? I feel noir. like, well, personally for me, the one night uh, I can stay up for. <laughs> the one I can stay up for. Uh, I really like Out of the Past. Oh, okay. Because nice. I feel like with that one. It was like a, it was like a, you know, murder mystery. Mm-hmm. But to me, it had more, oomph. it had yeah. more value to my, mm-hmm. um, to my ideas. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was a good one. I liked how the female character just seemed to like keep going through and like. You could see her going back and forth between like trying to be innocent and then being right. trying to tell. Which I feel like they casted really good. Yeah, she uh, did a great job. Great job mm-hmm. with, you know, showing the duality of innocence mm-hmm. and violence. Yes. Yeah. How they can live in the same person. Exactly. Even like towards the end when she realized that she can't use her innocence. Yeah. And her whole persona, her yeah. aura shifted. Yeah. The snap of her finger is shifted to her being aggressive, more mm-hmm. oh, you horrible, why did you yeah. do this to me? So I feel like that was like her last hoorah mm-hmm. of trying to like get her way before the, you know, her yeah. demise. And uh, also I like how it ended also with the kid telling, even though he told her a lot, but it's mm-hmm. kind of also yeah (laughs) i interpreted the ending as because i was a bit confused as well um, that he he had decided johnny to not be with Anne anymore since her parents disapproved of them and thought he was a murderer so i think he was trying to seek happiness you know with another woman and that's why he ends up dying along with her which i feel like i feel like their relationship wasn't gonna last either yeah no definitely because 
Hannah's such a pure character. Mm -hmm. I feel like she represents the real idea. Yeah. She's like, I feel like out of all these films, uh, Out of the Past is the only film that has a character to me that has a character that literally shows purity. Yeah, actually. (laughs) And Anne. The one person so far Mm -hmm, that I feel that shows purity is in Anne. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's a good uh, way of showing that there is good in the world. Yes. You know, there's people that have good intentions that, you know, doesn't want to kill for money. Mm-hmm. You know, who just they, wants to be happy. Exactly. <laughs> essentially, that's pretty much what mm-hmm. she wanted. Yeah. She didn't care if Johnny murdered. You mm-hmm. know, she didn't care about his past. She yeah. just wanted him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I feel like since. I feel like the kid, you know, saw that energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He saw that she was too good for him. Exactly. He wanted her to, to move on and have a happier life. Mm-hmm. And and she he was probably thinking about the betterment of her mm-hmm. by telling her that lie. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. That hey, as a person, you know, you are better off. Mm-hmm. Getting out of the past. Yeah, getting out. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, I, we would like to do our closing remarks. Thank you, listeners and guests. And um, uh, next podcast, we will be talking more about film noir. And mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.